Turn with me this morning to 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25. 1 Samuel 25. I, I'm just going to tell you right now, I, last night, you know, got home, or yesterday afternoon, got home, and I rested a little bit, and got up and began to pray, and, and uh, just poured my heart out to God, and in the midst of me pouring my heart out to the Lord and just praying. He spoke something to me. He spoke a scripture. And he just simply said in my prayer time, read 1 Samuel 25. I didn't remember what was there. I knew it had to do with David and his life. Something pertaining to his life. But I didn't really know where God was going. Uh, but... Um, I just believe that this is for somebody today, maybe several people, I don't know. You know, um, every service, every message may not be uh, specifically um, directed at where you're living or what you're going through, uh, but God always talks to us. And so I know that He has spoken this to me. I feel it in my spirit, and I know that um, there's something He wants to say. So I want to pray over the word and then I'm going to get right into this and I'm going to read a rather lengthy portion of scripture and then we'll preach. But let's pray over the word of God this morning. Would you agree with me? Lord, we just thank you already for everything that you've done, the worship and the presence of God. Lord, that we can be in, and stand in the congregation of people that really truly love you and that are hungry for you, and that are worshipers, Lord. That they love you, Lord, and they lift up their voices, and they sing from the fruit of their lips, that you've created in them, Lord, a song of praise and worship. And Lord, I thank you for that. But God, I also know that we need to open up the Word of God, and the Word of God speaks to us, Lord, and it instructs us. It gives us faith, and it gives us hope. And it leads us, Lord, throughout our lives and gives us a confidence in our journey along the way for everything that is before us, Lord. And we know, Lord, that you are the author and the finisher, the Alpha and the Omega. You are the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord. You begin it and you are there in the middle and you are there at the end, God, to bring us into our eternal uh, destiny and your glory. And Lord, I just ask you today as we break open the Word of God that you will just bring the anointing that makes preaching effective. I've not come, God, to try to, uh, you know, win anybody, Lord, through uh, or any accolades through oratory or, Lord, being able to speak with enticing words. But I pray that the message comes forth, God, with power and demonstration in the heart of each and every hearer that they, Father God, would respond to you, that they would be touched and that their lives would be changed and they would be exercised unto godliness and faithfulness, Lord, and a, a, a commitment of loyalty and consecration 
unto you, Lord, because, Lord, ultimately, you are the one that we've come to glorify today. You are the one that we've come to celebrate. God, you are the one that we've come to worship. And I pray, Lord, your blessing on this word that will stir the hearts and lives of each and every hearer. And we give you all the glory for it, for you are worthy of it all. Father, today, we thank you. We love you. And everyone in the church said, Amen. In 1 Samuel 25, verse 1, it says, And Samuel died. The great prophet, the great judge, the great, uh, even operated as a priest. And all the Israelites were gathered together and lamented him and buried him in his house at Ramah. And David arose and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man in uh, Maon whose possessions were in Carmel, and the man was very great, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he was shearing his sheep in Carmel. Now the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife Abigail. And she was a woman of good understanding and a beautiful countenance. But the man was churlish and evil in his doings. And he was of the house of Caleb. And David heard the wilderness. David heard in the wilderness that Nabal did shear his sheep. And David sent out ten young men. And David said unto the young men, Get you up to Carmel and go to Nabal and greet him in my name. And thus shall you say to him, that liveth in prosperity, peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast shears, now thy shepherds which were with us, we hurt them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them, all the while they were in Carmel. Ask thy young men, and they will show it unto thee, or confirm it. Wherefore, let the young men find favor in your eyes, for we come in a good day. Give, I pray, thee whatsoever comes to your hand unto the servants and to the son of David. And when David's young men came, they spake to Nabal according to all those words in the name of David and ceased. I want to stop for just a second and say if you didn't understand that because of the old Elizabethan English in the King James Version... David and his men were guarding the, uh, being like a border around Nabal's property. And they were, in a sense, uh, they were, uh, you know, protectors. And, and uh, they were there not because they were asked to be there, but they were there and they were just doing what God laid upon their heart to do. And, you know, uh, and, they, and of course, David and his men are hungry and they need substance. And so he sends a few men down there and said, Nabal's got a lot of sheep. Ask him if he'll take care of us and give us a little something, you know, to help us out while we're here in this wilderness. And uh, send him down there and, 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 and would you ask him? And that would have been the right thing to do for him to respond to that. Amen. You know, uh, that would have been the right thing to do. And so this will pick it up here where we were. And uh, the Bible says in verse 9, and when David's men came, they spoke to Nabal according to all the words in the name of David and ceased. And Nabal answered David's servants and said, Who is David? Who is he? <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. Everybody knew who David was. <laughs> Everybody in that area knew who David was. Abigail knew who he was. 
So Nabal had to have known who he was. He's the giant slayer. And who is the son of Jesse? He knew his dad's name. There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Talking about Saul. That just goes to prove that he could not discern spirituality in David. And he was looking at Saul as the king that we know was always after in the flesh. He never depended upon God. He depended upon his army. He said, Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shears and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? So David's young men turned their way and went again and came and told him all those sayings. Told David. And David said, Remember, he's got 600 men. David said unto his men, Gird ye, uh, ye on every man his sword. And they girded on every man his sword. And David also girded on his sword. And there went up after David about 400 men and 200 abode by the stuff. But one of the young men told Abigail, Nabal, Nabal's wife, saying, Behold, David sent messengers out of the wilderness to salute our master. And he railed on them. But the men were very good unto us, and we were not hurt. Neither missed we anything, as long as we were conversant with them when they were in the fields. They were a wall unto us. He's saying David's men were around us like a protection, both night and day, and all while we were with them, keeping the sheep. They never took nothing from us. Not one lamb did they steal. He said, now therefore know and consider what thou wilt do, for evil is determined against our master and against all his household. For he is such a son of Belial that a man cannot speak to him. In other words, he's a son of the devil. I'm telling you, he just a, he's just a, a fleshly, carnal, a sinful uh, man that does not regard God at all. And he said, can't nobody tell him nothing. If nobody can tell you nothing, you need to think about that for just a second. There's some people you can't tell them nothing. They know everything. <laughs> just marinate on that a second. Then Abigail made haste. She took 200 loaves and 200 bottles of wine and five sheep ready dressed and five measures of parched corn and a hundred clusters of raisins, 200 cakes of figs, laid them on the asses. And she said unto her servants, Go on before me. Behold, I'm coming after you. But she told not her husband Nabal. And it was so as she rode on the ass that she came down by the covert of the hill. And behold, David and his men came down against her and she met them. Now David had said, Surely in vain... I have kept all that this fellow Nabal has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that pertained unto him, and he hath requited me evil for good. As they, the old saying says, no good deed goes unpunished. <laughs> when you've done something good for somebody, a lot of times they, just, they, they will not be thankful or grateful for it, but they do stupid things to reward you for it. It happens. So and more also do God unto the enemies of David. Now, folks, I'm going to read out of this King James Version. So there's some language in here that you're just going to have to, you know, put on your big boy pants and accept. 
But he says, So and more also do God unto the enemies of David, if I leave of all that pertaineth to him by the morning light any that pisseth against the wall. In other words, what he's saying, if I leave one man alive in that man's family, he said, yeah, it'll be a miracle. He said, I'm, I'm telling you what, the way he has spoken to the king, or the soon-to-be king, he said he ought to have known better. You know, but he goes on and it says, And when Abigail saw David, she hasted and lighted off the ass and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground and fell at his feet. What a godly woman. What a woman of grace. What a woman of spirituality and humility. She falls at David's feet and she says, Upon me, my Lord, upon me let this iniquity be. And let thine handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience and hear the words of thine handmaid. Let not, my Lord, I pray thee, regard this man of Belial, even Nabal, for as his name is, so is he, which Nabal means foolish or folly. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I, thine handmaid, saw not the young men of my Lord whom you did sin. Now therefore, my Lord, as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, seeing the Lord hath withholden thee from coming to shed blood, and from avenging thyself with your own hand, let now let thine enemies and they that seek evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now this blessing which your, thine handmaid has brought unto my Lord, let it even be given unto the young men that follow my Lord. And he said, she said, I pray thee, forgive the trespass of thine handmaid, for the Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house. She said, David, God's going to make you a sure house, because my Lord fighteth the battles of the Lord, and evil hath not been found in thee all thy days. Yet, and this is what I want you to get, a man is risen to pursue thee and to seek thy soul, but the soul of my Lord shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God and the souls of thine enemies. Then shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And it shall come to pass when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he had spoken concerning thee and shall appointed thee ruler over Israel that this grief, what you're getting ready to do, but I'm trying to stop you from doing, that this shall be no grief unto thee nor offensive heart unto the Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causelessly or that my Lord hath avenged himself when, but when the Lord shall have dealt with my Lord well with my Lord then remember your handmaid and David said Abigail blessed be the Lord God of Israel which sent thee this day to meet me and blessed be thy advice and blessed be thou which hast kept me this day from coming to shed blood and from avenging myself with my own hand. For in very deed, as the Lord God of Israel liveth, which hath kept me back from hurting thee, except thou hast hasted and come to meet, surely there had not been left unto Nabal by the morning light any, I'm telling you, any man in that family, anybody. But he said, you've stopped me. Now I want to preach to you this morning, bound in the bundle of life of God. Bound in the bundle of the life of God. And I'm preaching this thought, as I said, from prayer. And there are two points that I'm trying to make here today in this message. I didn't structure this like I normally structure my messages with points and such. But just kind of as the Lord brought it into my spirit, I just wrote it down. 
But two points that I'm trying to make in this message, and the first one is this, that we all have a destiny in God. Number two, how He brings us to it safely. I'm not going to focus so much on Abigail and Nabal, but I'm going to focus on the words that she spoke to David concerning his future. Because for him to heed that changed everything in his life. He was getting ready to take somebody out. He was getting ready to take vengeance into his own hands. But when you take vengeance in your own hands, you take it out of the hands of God. And God has reserved that for Himself, not you or me. Abigail begins to speak, or she spoke, some of the most heartfelt, gracious words to David concerning God's heart and our future, or His future, in God. As we read, David finds himself and his 600 men in the wilderness of Paran. He was not running from Saul so much, but he was running from himself. Because we read in chapter 24 that David... Almost, he had right there before him, he cut a piece of Saul's robe off. And he said, do you see how close I was to you? I could have taken you out. But he didn't. Two times he had an opportunity to take Saul out. But he never did because he said, I don't want to touch God's anointed. When God's ready to move him out of the way and make me king in his place, God will do it, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to put my hands to it. So a lot of times, you know, we read and we've even said or stated that David was running from Saul. No, David was running from himself. He was running from the things that he could potentially have done to wreck the destiny that God had planned and purposed for his life. And God is trying to say to you and I today, our life can be wrapped up in the bundle of the life of God and be brought to God's final end and purpose and intent in our life, or we can put our hands to things and completely destroy and derail God's perfect plan. So he asked Nabal for provision, David does. He's in the wilderness. He's not running from Saul. He's trying to keep himself, you know, from taking him out. And he finds himself here and he's waiting for time to pass. And he asked his men to go down and ask Nabal for some provision. He protected Nabal and his shepherds and his flocks. And Nabal refused to help him. He says, as we read earlier, who is David? I can tell you everybody knew who David was. Abigail knew who David was. Nabal knew who David was. But he chose not to be humble before God and really truly honor the king that God picked that is, that is a man after his own heart. Everybody knew who David was. He's the giant slayer. He's the one, you know, who, is, who has behaved himself wisely in Israel. Is coming in and going out. He's got an army behind him. Nobody has ever had such an anointing like that in the kingdom of Israel or the nation of Israel like David. Not even Saul. But David has this men, these mighty men behind him. He was a man who knew how to, he had great leadership skill and he could bring them together. God anointed 
anointed him in everything in his life. From playing the harp, to fighting against the enemy, to raising up a kingdom, to being a leader. He was a precious, really truly a precious soul in the eyes of God. He had a heart after God's own heart. He was just in a sense. He was. Not in a sense. He was a just man. He was fair. You know, he, he had compassion. That's why he was a shepherd at heart, you know. And God called him that shepherd of Israel. We know Jesus is the ultimate good shepherd and great shepherd. But David is a type of what Christ is in the New Testament. We see that. So David sets out to punish this churlish Nabal. Kill him and every man in his family. Interestingly, I want you to think about this for a second. Because we're talking about you and I and David you know, uh, being saved from himself, amen, being saved from himself. God had no problem protecting him from Saul. What he had to do was protect him from David. David had to be protected from himself. We are our own worst enemies sometimes. You know it. You know it. When you go into sin and you do something as a Christian... I'm not talking about what you used to be. I'm talking about you're serving God, but you have a moment in your life where you fall short or you sin or you begin to transgress God's law or you begin to step over the blood and you begin to plow through the Spirit of God that's dealing with you. You get to the other side of that sin and, and you find out that it, it's no different than it was the last 2,000 times that it's the same. Amen. You still here at this place where the devil's lied to you. He told you this time it's going to be a gratification that's going to be, bring satisfaction that's going to be different this time. But you found out he's a liar. And you sit there on the other side and you say, why did I allow myself to fall into this again and let the devil lick my ear and convince me that this time it was going to be different? Why? I'm my own worst enemy. People say, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. He tempted you. You made yourself do it. I'm going somewhere, so stay with me. But I want you to think about this. It's very interesting to me that he had restraint to, to spare Saul in chapter 24. But in chapter 25, he didn't have any problem going to take out Nabal. We will come to church and we put on our best smile, our best behavior, I hope. We love everybody. But we'll go out there and we'll go to the restaurant and we treat the waitress like she's trash. Oh, or you'll drive through McDonald's and you say, you didn't give me ketchup. What's wrong with you? Anybody know how to work around here? Look, folks, I've done it. You've done it. What I'm trying to say is this. We come to church or we're around people, you know, and we, 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 we want to make sure that we don't step on anything. And we have great victory in certain areas. But then there's other areas that are very similar and we act like God hasn't done anything in our lives. That He doesn't have any control or any governing over our lives. And you know I'm telling you the truth. Amen. It just goes to show the volatility 
And how volatile that we can be. We can show grace and long-suffering with some, but not others. That has to change. That has to change in our life. And everybody needs to listen to the podcast. Amen. This is, this is why we need the Holy Ghost in our life. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Now listen, I'm getting ready to give you a very profound typology or proof here in the Bible. This is why we need the Holy Spirit. Abigail is in type like the Holy Spirit. Someone say, she's like an intercessor. Yes, she is. But does not the Spirit of God intercede? Is not Christ our great intercessor? And the Holy Spirit, it's His Spirit. Amen. It's His Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. It's the intercession of God. She did intercede. But I want you to just for, for a second, take a, a look at this and see the picture. There's the Father. There's the Father. We have God the Father. There's God the Son, which is our Savior. And then there's God the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that it says this in the Bible, but the great A.B. Simpson commentary, and he's very, very prolific and very powerful and very theological in his commentary, but he made a statement one time that so resonated with me. He said, there is God the Father, and that's the Father, you know, office of the Godhead. Then there's the Son, the Savior. That's the Savior and Christ's office as the Son and the Redeemer. But then there's the Holy Spirit and in essence because it's a comforting spirit because it's an instructive spirit because it's a a, uh, you know a nurturing spirit. It's in type like the mother part of the Godhead. Now I know the Bible doesn't say that and I'm not saying that there's God the mother. What I'm saying is that the, the very office and the nature and the conduct of the Holy Spirit is in type like a motherly influence of Upon the people of God and our spirit, you know. So Abigail is in type like that. She spoke. She spoke the most gracious and spirit-filled words to influence David's decision and to keep him from sabotaging his future. God wants us to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God so we don't sabotage our future. What does it say in 1 Peter Chapter 1, verse 5. This is what it says. 1 Peter 1. I'm going to start reading with verse 2. Just a short portion. Let me get here past James. Amen. He said, Elect, that's you and I, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Multiplied. If we didn't have the Spirit of God to sanctify us, we would not be obedient. But the Spirit of God touches us and He puts in us a desire and a, 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 a power to obey. God and His Word. He says, and he goes on to say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, verse 3, which according to His abundant mercy has begotten us unto a lively hope, a Spirit-filled hope, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept... How are we kept in this place, on this journey, at this bundled up in the will of God, in unity with the will of God? How are we kept continuing on down the road in this journey? He said you are kept by the power of God through faith. 
unto a salvation. There is an end. Amen. We got to start in faith. We got to end in faith. That is the sum total of your salvation. You can't just say, I started in faith and I answered an altar call at winter camp and I was five years old and then you live like the devil till you're 50 and then they have your funeral and people say, well, he accepted Jesus when he was five. Well, what about when you were 35 or 45? You got to finish this race. You don't just start it, you got to finish it. And God's with you all along the journey. He's begun a good work. He'll finish that work in you. He'll be faithful to complete it. He'll be faithful when you're not faithful. We are kept by God's power to remain faithful. Well, how do you know that, Pastor? Do you know what one of the gifts of the Spirit is? That's right. Faith. Faith. When you and I make a mistake or we do something, we sin. Just call it what it is. And you get in that place of prayer and you say, God, forgive me. There are times with some people, the depth of depravity, the devil's got you convinced. There's no forgiveness this time. But God will give you that faith. Yes, I will forgive you again. Thank God for the gift of faith. It's something God gives you. Because if it was up to us, we don't have it within us to believe. But God gives us that faith to believe. Almighty God. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere this morning. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Abigail. Amen. That comes and says, David, don't do this. Don't do this. Stop. I'm trying to tell you, don't do this. Stop. Because it's going to end up altering the destiny of your life. What she was saying is, David, let me tell you something. You ain't going to change that son. That's a devil. You ain't going to change, oh, Nabal. He's a son of Belial. Even she knew he wasn't right. Amen. You know, there are some women that, that they, need a, they, need a, 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 they need an award for being with some of the husbands that they're with. And there are some husbands that need an award for being with the women that they're with. It goes both ways. Y'all are quiet this morning. I'm not saying any of that's going on in this house. Amen. We're a chosen generation. We're God's people. Amen. I know that. I'm just simply saying to you that I've met some folks down through the ages and down through the times of pastoring that I thought, I don't know how he, ent- how he continued with her, but by the grace of God. Or how she continued with him, but by the grace of God. But thank God, amen, that He can change us. Thank God that the Spirit of God can deal with us. And there are people sitting here today, the only reason your marriage is still intact and everything's going good is because of Jesus. It's because you surrendered your life to Jesus. Jesus, that's the only reason you're here today. But God has healed. God has changed. Thank God you're not married to Nabal. Or Nabala. For all you Spanish speakers. She 
She said, you ain't going to change that son of the devil. But your hasty decision, David, will alter your future. It's going to change it. You've got to listen to the Spirit of God. God has a plan and a destiny for you. You're on this journey. You're wrapped up in the bundle of God's perfect will. It's you and the Lord. You're one. But whenever you start to go do your own thing, you start separating yourself. Amen? Because you see, our lives are not our own. They're bound up in the bundle of life with the Lord our God. The Lord is not a part of our life. He is our life. We're one. We're one with Him. He's not an incidental. He's not Jesus you put on, a badge you put on to come to church on Sunday. And then you go live your life the way you want to the rest of the week until Thursday when you put the badge back on. We don't come and punch the clock. Say, well, I put in my two hours on Sunday. No, this is my life. This is my life. And when He's your life, everything changes. Everything's better. Hallelujah. When we're bound in the bundle of the life with the Lord our God, in essence, it's like a, a knapsack of God's jewels that He holds close to Himself. Wherever He's going, those jewels are going with Him. Now stay with me here. When you know this truth, you know that you have an eternal destiny. You know that you have an earthly destiny that is bound together with Christ. You know, not only do we have an eternal destiny, but we've got a destiny upon this earth. Years ago, I had two different opportunities that I could have went when I was young. I mean, 18, 19, 20, when I, 21 when I was young. And I could have, at that time, I wanted to, that was my desire to, to go and pursue something professional and singing. And, and, and there are people in here that know because they knew me at that time. And they knew the opportunities that I had. But at, every time I went to go and to pursue that and say, yes, I'll take that position. Yes, I'll sing in that quartet yes I'll take that job to sing back up for you this is my gifting this is what I'm going to do this is how I'm going to make my living every time God told me no I don't want you to do that I want you just to continue serving me I will lead you where you're supposed to go it's not just wanting to take somebody's life out wanting to go take matters into your own hands and get vengeance the devil wants to derail you in a lot of things. He wants to get you off. And, and the moment that you realize, my life is not just some you know, fleeting thing here upon this earth, but I'm a living soul. I've got a living soul down deep within me that God created. I'm His creation. And so He has purchased me so I can see eternally Him again. And I have my eternity. He's purchased that for me. But upon this earth, I have a responsibility and a job and a destiny to fulfill for God. I was sharing with somebody just this week, I said, had I went that direction, I wouldn't be here. I told Sister Skiles, I was going to sing back up. You paid a lot of money. I said, I'll, I'll sing back up for 100000 no problem. Nobody even has to see me. I'll sing behind the curtain. And laugh all the way to the bank. God reminded me, what will a man give in exchange for his soul?
And I remember telling her, Angela, but we can buy a house. We can do this at 22 years old. We can do this. We can do that. She said, Jonathan, if you go down that road, we'll never last. You'll be out there on the road and everything away from God. I'll find a church. No, you won't. Amen. No, you won't. You get away from the house of God and away from the herd, the, the sheepfold. You, you will become wearier and wearier and colder and colder. And the next thing you know, you'll be lost out there, probably on drugs or bound by addictions or who knows whatever else. And our marriage will be over. She said, I'm telling you, if you go down that road, it won't be long. And I said, you know what? You're right. The Holy Ghost isn't telling me, nope, 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 nope. But I thought if I could convince you, things might be different. I'm going to tell you something. Don't ask, don't ask a human being to put their stamp of approval on something that God has said I'm not in, al in alignment with. It's not my will. Because see, what happens is, is the Spirit of God will speak to somebody and convict them of something. And they'll go to somebody and they'll go, what do you think? And when you don't tell them what they want to hear, they'll go to somebody else and they'll go, what do you think? Well, what do you think? And they're going to keep going until they get somebody that goes, oh yeah, go ahead, do what you want to do. It's all whatever you want to do. It's your life. I'm going to tell you something right now. The Holy Ghost is telling you your life is bundled up in the will of God. It's Him and you together. And the moment you start going your own way is the moment you get out of the will of God and it's destructive. Now, knowing all of this should be one of the greatest drivers or forces that keeps us right with God. David said, I have hid, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And Joseph said in Genesis 39, 9, remember when Potiphar's wife was trying to get him to lie with her. Trying to get him to lie with her. Sleep with her. Not tell a lie. Sleep with her. And he said, I can't do this. And she kept pursuing and kept pursuing and kept pursuing him. And he said, how can I, Genesis 39, 9, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? It's going to take me off of what God has called me to. And I wrote this down. David, not David, Joseph had to have said within himself, God gave me a dream. And this sin, this diversion, this perversion, this titanic decision that you're wanting me to, to engage in is not part of God's dream. Did you hear that? So the job that you're wanting to take that's going to pull you out of the house of God is not... God's dream. His dream is to see you in this church and to see you worshiping God and faithful to God. It's not to, to go and pursue, but, but if I can just, you know, everybody that has said that is not here today. The proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the evidence of their life. When they say, I'm just going to work one Sunday or it's going to be once a month or it's going to be, the next thing you know, they're gone. Now, Church, I, 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 I'm not even going to make any excuses for that. I'm, I'm telling you right now that the devil starts very subtly. Because he wants to derail you. <laughs> Maybe it's a business venture. Some people it's recreation and pleasure. You've got to be very careful. 
There was a woman that came to Living Waters and she got saved and her and her husband, they were serving God. But then she said, we got a boat. And there's nothing wrong with having a boat. Nothing wrong with having things and having fun. Listen to me. Everybody needs rest and relaxation. But you cannot allow that to become an idol over the things of God and the, and the things that He has called you to be faithful in and service and worship unto Him come first over everything. Over everything. And this is not legalism. This is me preaching to you to tell you. There's somebody in here, some people in here today, God is telling you, the Holy Spirit, the Abigail, the Spirit of God is saying, don't do it. Your life is bundled up in God's perfect will and you're with Him now. But the moment you begin to separate from that in your thinking, in your mind, in your actions, you're in trouble. They, uh, Joseph said, God gave me a dream and this diversion isn't part of that dream. And so she said, I got you. He said, no, you got my cloak. And just whenever the devil thought, I've destroyed the dream through a lie, God, in the midst of that, worked it out so that Joseph ended up fulfilling the destiny because he was faithful to God. There are some things in our life as we stand, as we stand, and we obey God it seems like you know what this is not working out I'm standing and doing the right thing but why does it seem like that it's went the other direction God said it's one thing if you make a decision and consequentially you begin to deal with the consequences but whenever you begin to, to make a decision for God and you serve God and you say you know what I'm going to make this decision no matter what it costs no matter how difficult it may be no matter what I have to go through you will go through that fire but let me tell you God will bring you through on the other side people will say, will say look I started giving I started paying my tithe I started being faithful and now look I can't even pay my bills just hold on just hold on put God first be faithful in your tithes and offerings first God will honor you. Pray, say, God, you got to meet my need. I was faithful. Now I'm depending upon you to be faithful to me. He will. He will. He will. Say, Lord, lay it on somebody's heart. And you that are in here, amen, you got a little something in the bank. You ask God to let you be sensitive to the Holy Spirit so that whenever you are prompted by God to give somebody something, you don't second guess it, but you are completely and totally in line in the will of God to be a, a, a agent, I don't want to use the word agent, instrument to begin to bring the will of God to pass for somebody else. In other words, you can be used to be an answer to prayer. Uh, 18 years ago I'm even going to go further than that probably 20 I had a man in this church he came once or twice I'm telling you the truth he came once or twice and uh, about I don't know sometime back we got a letter from an attorney. He put us in his will. 
church. Sister Skiles is asking me yesterday, day before yesterday, I said, we got some of the money for the carpet. You know, we've had some giving, about $2,000. Our landlord's supposed to kick in, but we got a lot of things we got to do. There's a lot of expenses we got to do a sign. You know, we've already spent some money already with building and painting and all these things. And I haven't even asked for an offering from you folks. Really? I haven't come and said, come on, let's bring our best. Oh, I'm going to. Let's <laughs> wait till I get the bill. <laughs> Angela said, I'm praying God's going to put carpet in my building where my kids are going to be. And kids have given every year. They've given out of their money that they take an offering and we take an offering. Give to some mission outside of ourselves. Yesterday, Angela said, come here. She had paper in her hand. I thought, what's she going to tell me? She said, you see what old Peterson gave us? $3,200 right here. <laughs> she said, God will put carpet in my building. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. She said, don't you just love when God surprises you? Don't you just love when God surprises you? Amen. Oh, let me get back to this because it's just getting better. Joseph, let me say it one more time, said, God gave me a dream. And Potiphar's wife, you're not part of that dream. Going down this way is not part of that dream. That's why the prisons and the streets are filled with the most talented people that fell into the deep rut of addictions and depravity. They can paint a mural on the wall that's better than any, any of the greatest, you know, artists, painters in the world. They can paint the greatest talent, the greatest minds, the greatest thinkers. But the devil got them derailed and they're over there in that prison, in that jail, sitting there right where the devil wants them to be. I remember I stood up one time and I said, God, what am I going to preach to these people, to these men? And he said, look at all those orange suits. He said, look at all that talent. Look at all that. He said, I want you to stand up and tell them. He said, he said that I never destined them for that. The devil did. But I never destined them for that. How many of you got kids and they all raise their hands? I said, let me tell you something, brothers. Your kids need you out there, not in here. He didn't destine you to sit here in an orange jumpsuit with a guard or a, a, a deputy telling you when to eat, when to shower, when to come, when to go, when to go to the bathroom. I said, no, that's bondage. That's the devil. That's what he wanted. I said, but God has something better for you. But see, our lives, we don't realize that if we stay connected, we're bound up in the will of God. And He wants to get us and everyone else off of course from God's perfect will and destiny. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death. <laughs> Proverbs 21, 16. I'm going to read it to you. Proverbs 21, 16. Listen, he said, The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. That simply means their surrounding is filled with people who are dead. 
to God. They're dead to the things of God and the blessedness of serving God. That's why when you see people and they get connected with people that have no ambition or no, they don't know God. I'm not even going to use a humanistic fleshly type of analogy. They're not serving God. And so guess what? They're dead to the things of God. And then people attach themselves to dead people and they become dead. But whenever you connect yourself with people who have the life of God, guess what? You become alive. You begin to, come on now, sitting in this room are people. The reason you're here today is because somebody had life and they ministered that life to you and they lit your candle. You're here because somebody with the life of God set you on fire. Danny, you're here because I don't remember his name. Jeremy Smith. I remember Jeremy Smith. I just didn't remember his name, but I remember him from Living Waters. And he ministered to Danny, and Danny's here today because of that. Amen. Henry's here because his brother Oscar prayed for him and ministered to him. We're sitting here today because God ministered to us through somebody. Gabe's here because Kyle ministered to him. Mike's here because Gabe ministered to him. We're here because somebody lit us that was bound up in the things of God. We didn't hang out in the congregation of the dead, but we're hanging out in the congregation of the living. And that's why we have life, because Christ gave us that life. What does it say? A true witness delivers souls in the Bible. Because when you speak life, people are touched. Amen. So I don't know why I'm here, but I just feel something. That's why I kept coming. And I kept coming and kept listening until I finally got in that altar. Because I can tell you, I'm either going to get in or I'm going to get out. And I'm getting in. Praise God. Sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. And the end all is death. But in Christ we have life. And it's bundled up in the bag held close to the heart of God as His treasure. Did you know that you're His peculiar treasure? We are His peculiar treasure. He says that in Isaiah 45, 2 and 3. That He would bring treasures out of darkness. He put in you and I a desire. To seek those treasures out of darkness. That's why when you go to the streets and you go down behind Walmart and you go behind this building and you go minister to the homeless or you go to the jails or you're on your job or you're just out there in the world and you begin to minister to people, you are seeing the treasures that darkness is trying to cover but God has given you the eyesight to recognize. Amen. Amen. You know, I have to confess something to you. Years ago, when Anya first came to the church, she got saved or she was making her way. I remember her dad died. And here sat this man at the, right there where Tom is. But sat that man there. I said, who is that? She said, that's my boyfriend. I looked at him and my first thought was, he's got to go. Amen. My whole interest was Anya. I want her to get in, and this guy, I just, I don't know. Well, I didn't pray. I just went off my first judgment, my first instinct. I just said, you know what? I can tell you, 
she needs to be in here, and he, you know, he's, if he don't get right, he's got to go, you know. Well, the Lord showed me a thing or two in the last 10, 12, 15 years. He said, there's a lot of treasures that you don't see. We immediately make that first judgment, and we don't realize what a treasure. Well, here's Phil serving God. God delivered him. God set him free. Amen. And Phil and Anya, amen, serving God. Not just one, but both of them. And they got a future. Amen. They got a future together. God has something planned. And I'm so grateful that people realize, you know what? My life in Christ, I'm going someplace. It's wrapped up. I'm one of the jewels in his bag and his treasure chest. And he holds me close. So don't, don't, don't be uh, guilty of judging somebody and saying, you know what? The, the God's never going to do anything with them. You don't know that. I'm going to tell you something else. He told them, uh, uh, Paul and Barnabas in Acts 13, he told them, you've judged yourself, you Jews, you Hebrews, you've judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. He didn't say God did that to you or man did that to you because God sent us here to talk to you. He said, but your decision not to live for God. This is exact language. He said, you have judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. Because you rejected it. So we're going to go to the Gentiles. Now getting back here to Abigail as I come to a close. Abigail was stressing a point. David Nabal's a fool. His name means fool. But you, you're smart enough to know God is real. And you're destined to be king. And she said, so listen to my words. Because if you don't, your life will be altered forever. Listen. Heed the Holy Spirit, church. Heed the Holy Spirit. He is sent to your side to bring you into the will of God. What a protection. What an advocate. What an aid. We have all had moments that God revealed to us, I have a plan and a will and a destiny for your life. And you're connected with me. You're bound up in the bundle of life in your God. So that ought to tell you something this morning. Whenever the devil tells you God doesn't love you, God can't forgive you, God doesn't want anything to do with you because you have failed him, just remember your life is in him. Come on back. Just say, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Help me. I don't want to be dead to the things of God. I want to be alive. And he said, you forgot. I'm buried to the backslider. You forgot. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You forgot, amen, that I shed my blood and I, I redeemed you. You forgot that. If you cross, but the Lord has spoken. Uh, let me get back here. I don't want to get ahead of myself. We've all had moments that God revealed to us. You have a plan. He has a plan. That He has a will. He has a destiny for our life. And if we cross a threshold, the potential for us to indefinitely see our life altered is very possible and probable because the devil wants to alter your life. Angela had been saved about three weeks, maybe a month. And she said, I lived with a group, a group of girls and she was in a sorority and all this stuff at college. And I remember she told me, she said, I came down, we were all going to go out 
And she said, I was going to church, and I had went to the altar. She said, but we were all going to go out, and they were going to go out, and we were going to go to the bar, we were going to go clubbing. Okay? She said, I walked down the stairs, and she said, I got to the bottom. She shared this. She said, the Spirit of God told her, you cross that threshold, you're on your own. I've convicted you, and I'm telling you right now, don't go across that threshold. All of her friends are there. Come on, we're going. We're getting in the car. She said, I'm not going. She walked back up. She said, I went up to my room, and I just cried. I cried out to God. God was doing something, but if she went that direction, who knows if we'd even be married today. Where would her life be? Where would my life be? Where would your life be? We've all had those times where we were right there at, on the threshold of doing something sinful and the Spirit of God said, stop. Because you're going to alter the destiny of God. The, 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 the plan of God. So listen to the Holy Spirit. Surrender to the Holy Spirit's touch and prompt. And I close with this. Notice David submitted to godly wisdom and she, Abigail, became a part of him for the rest of his life. Did you hear that? The decisions that we make change everything about our life. Because if you'll listen, God's speaking. If you will give heed to the Holy Spirit when he prompts you or he deals with you, he convicts you, he talks to you. If you'll respond in obedience, you'll live the rest of your days very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And when he tells you something... But when you grieve the Holy Spirit, it's a whole lot harder to make your way back to that place of discernment. Are you hearing me? That's where a lot of people are today in church. People that were spirit-filled, but they found themselves at a place where they disregarded and discounted and disobeyed the Holy Spirit's prompting. And now they're like, I can't seem to get back to that place where I was at one time. Not that God won't ever do it. But when you stay true to God and you don't divert, just obey Him. We've all done it. and I'm not saying there's no way back and there's no returning. I'm telling you that, that you grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. You've done something terrible. Okay? You don't want to do that. You want to obey God's voice. She remained with him as his wife. Because Nabal died. And he took her as his wife ten days later. And that beautiful, gracious, Holy Spirit voice was with him the rest of his days. Don't you want that? We all take on the nature of the Holy Spirit when we submit to Him. So don't let your flesh, sin, or rebellion drag you to a place of hell or away from God. You have been called to serve God to a high calling. Your life belongs to Him. Your body belongs to Him. Your everythings belong to Him. God has a destiny for me and it's wrapped up in His perfect will. And it's in Him, not separate from Him. It's in Him. That's where a lot of people make a mistake. See, they want the blessings of God, but they don't want the commitment to a loving God and obedience to Him. They just want all the benefits that come with serving God. Well, you can't have it that way. It's God and His blessings. It's not His blessings absent from God. So that's where we need to make our heart right 
and say, Lord, forgive me for wanting things that you bring and give without you. I have to have you. I have to listen to you. And my life and my future is wrapped up in my connection and faithfulness to you and staying close to God. Mark Ford told me years ago, probably my first service, he said, Pastor Jonathan, don't ever lose the brokenness in your spirit. He said, because that is what makes you pliable in the hands of God. When that's gone, son, he said, you'll become hardened in your heart. Then God can't do anything with you if he can't shape you and mold you and you're not, you're not you know, broken in his hands. Amen. Father, this morning, I thank you. I preach what you asked me to preach. And I thank you, Lord, because you're so faithful. I pray, Lord, this morning, or as we come to the afternoon, that you will just let your perfect will be done in this altar. Not my will, but thy will be done. Let it be today, God. You know, I don't even really know as far as altar is concerned, what God is intending to do. But I know this much. If you're here this morning and you will obey His voice, God will minister to you whatever you're going through. Will you come? If you're not a Christian, you've not surrendered your life, surrender your life to the Lord. Today you can do that here in this altar. Would you come?